At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. All right, so uh, here we are. This is Karim Nirani at, uh, again, still in Austin. I haven't left here, and I'm hoping you haven't left here. Uh, consensus uh, at Coindesk, at Grid Daily House. It's 116 today, 116 degrees outside. But we're lucky now. We're sitting inside the podcast room, air-conditioned. Uh, we've had maybe a couple of uh, margaritas now, so this podcast may be a little bit wobbly. Um Actually, no, but it might actually be wobbly. wobbly. Uh, so we have two phenomenal guests here, and, I, and I'm very lucky that we've got both of these gentlemen in the room today. Uh, Blake Jameson, Jameson, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't remember his last name, remember the whiskey, Jameson, Blake, that <laughs> yeah, together. That's right. Throw in a couple of ice cubes and you got that. Um, a creator, collector, curator, artist, and an artist who's been uh, very successful over the last couple of decades, I believe, that you've done this thing and been recognized for the work you do. Seven if years not, just in say art. yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Seven and years then, in art, but it's been amazing. And then uh, Jamie Anderson. Uh, the Sean. Sean, Sean, Sean. Sorry, Sean Anderson of Goodblock. Yes. Goodblock Technologies that's building the infrastructure mm-hmm. of uh, blockchain, Web3, mm-hmm. and all of the things that can be done with that. So I'm yeah. going to ask you both to introduce yourself a little bit. And then we want to talk about the intersection, because I said earlier at one of the sessions, uh, as we move forward, as we move forward from today, over the next five to 10 years, I think this is the age of the creator. This is the age of the creator, the age of uh, the artist and people who are inspiring the rest of us. Yeah. It's, an, it's yeah. an age of imagination. I think it's important. It's also the age of the engineer and the age of the 3D animator, I think those are the two skills. Can they come I wish together? I could go back. And, and are like, they coming together? Right? Like, yeah. I mean, they are. But they I are. think that, like, I'm always looking for engineers, always looking for yeah. animators, even even as a creator myself. Right. right? Um, I appreciate but, yeah. that, Blake. But we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about you first. Tell okay. us who yeah. you yeah. are and why we should be paying attention to you. Yeah. Uh, my name is Blake Jameson. I'm a visual artist based in Brooklyn, New York. And my path to becoming an artist was far from a straight line. I grew up in a very creative household, always liked creating and painting and making stuff. And my parents are so supportive. They're also both creative. And, uh, when it was time to go to college, they were actually saying, yo, you should go to art school. You should at least minor in art. Like you love this stuff. And I was like, no, that's not a job. Like I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to study economics. I'm going to get into business. And like, and that's what I did. You're going to rebel against your parents. Yeah. Oh, are you yeah. Should, you Even should though. grow up in an Indian family. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, it's crazy because I wouldn't trade anything for the world of like the path that, that it took me to get here. But I, I studied economics. I was a very average, lower average student uh, in college and kind of grew like it, when I got out of college social media was just starting to blow up. And so like brands were just starting to think about like maybe getting onto Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever. So my first job out of college was with Zynga. 
gaming studio. Uh, it was very popular for basically killing Facebook notifications with Farmville and Mafia Wars and, and all those silly games. But I was helping with uh, originally like data entry stuff and like A-B testing ads. I think they kind of quickly saw my like creative knack or just even like interest. Uh, so I got moved to the marketing department and did like creative marketing basically for for Zynga. Got them on Twitter super early. That was like 2009. Um and worked in that space and, and like enjoyed it for a while because working in digital marketing allowed me to be creative with copywriting, video editing, some graphic design stuff, but it was still just in the, like the realm of like tech and that was booming. And so I rode that wave and I woke up on my 30th birthday. I was working for a, a billion dollar company doing, you know, director of content and was just like, man, I don't want to wake up every single day where I'm going to work, sitting in a cubicle making someone else's dreams possible. I want to like try and work on my own stuff that makes me happy. And so I, I put in my resignation actually on my 30th birthday, but I didn't know that I was going to transition to art. It was like, art was always a part of my life. And kind mm. of through this exploratory journey, after I quit, I tra- I went traveling. I'd never been outside of the U S I went in Spain for five weeks. And in that trip, I kind of rediscovered my love mm. for art and specifically in that case, street art, uh, which has always inspired yeah. me. And so when I came back to the States, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to give this a shot and I'm going to start painting, but I'm going to treat it like a business mm-hmm. uh, because I've, I've known I've been on the business side of these and seen why some of my clients fail and why some of them are successful. And one of them, one of those key kind of things is like having the niche. I make X for these people, this group, right? Instead of like, I make art for everyone. And so I got very particular uh, about who I make art for. Uh, and the niche that I ended up finding myself in was I make portraits for professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw a ton of success, just really leveraging the marketing experience that I had had, but just to my own business, uh, doing the thing that I love. You know, I'd spent so much time selling a product or service that I didn't necessarily believe in, but they was paying the bills. And now all of a sudden, okay, I'm, I'm applying these same practices, but I'm doing something that I, that I really, really love. love it. Um, and so I got into art, uh, got into the sports realm. And fortunately uh, that ended up drawing me into like web three and NFTs uh, through uh, actually this, uh, a friend and, uh, at the time, like colleague, I guess is Micah Johnson who created Aku. He had played professional baseball, trans retired and transitioned to full-time artist. And he discovered NFTs. And at the time I remember it was like really early 2020 and he was telling me about it and he got me on, he helped me get on super rare, but it wasn't even called NFTs. It was just called crypto art. And I'm like, Oh, you, you do crypto art. And so like later, I remember in like 2021 or maybe late 2020, someone, a friend's like, you should do NFTs. I'm like, what's that? And they like explain it. I was like, I think I do that. I just <laughs> yeah. call it, I call it crypto art. Um, but yeah, you know, like fast forward seven years from making that transition um, to the last two years of which have been in the NFT space uh, has been a blast. Like I get to, That's I amazing. get to wake up every day and paint pictures and, yeah. You know, there's still a lot of like, I wear a lot of hats. I still do marketing stuff and I still do like, you know, yeah. whatever it takes, right. Yeah. To make the business successful. Yeah. We're going to put that business stuff aside. Yeah. I know. About I know. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I was long winded, but that's, yeah. no, that's, no. that's, that's no. that, that, that got me good. here today. Yeah. yeah. But, but Sean, so I want to get back to you with a couple of questions that yeah. Um, yeah. Are, are, are really pertinent to my question uh, to you uh, because of my background a little bit, mm-hmm. but Sean, before I do that, and I want to give you the opportunity to talk sure. a little bit about. So, who you are, what you do, and what's so special about Good Block? 
Interestingly enough, um, my background actually comes out of art originally. And as a, you know, um, I was in, worked in the nonprofit space originally way back when, ran a, an art studio and gallery for a, non, a nonprofit art studio and gallery for up-and-coming artists. And um, uh, did a lot of, um, also did a lot of consulting and coaching with people kind of trying to figure out their life. And, um, and those things sort of mesh together through the years and eventually um, found my way through through e-learning into the blockchain space. And a big thing for me was, you know, the, when I first got into the blockchain space, it was through, through the EOS, um, EOS community before EOS launched and this passion for like, hey, we're going to make blockchain for everybody. It's going to be really great. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. All these things that it actually never actually came to fruition, but those things were passionate to me. Like, how do you make this amazing new technology and you give people the freedom that blockchain can bring and you mm-hmm. communicate that. And so that was my passion because I was a, someone who was coming from the storytelling side. It was about telling the story, whether it was a visual piece or whether it was um, written word, whether I was uh, uh, physically telling a story or doing slam poetry or any of these things where you take this, you articulate a message in a way that people can grasp in a short period of time. I'm going to ask you a question yeah. on that. So you've got an article that uh, it talks about what does it make to what does it have what does it take to make pigs fly? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. What is it? And that's about doing the impossible. And and that particular piece is is how do you get people to recognize that? Um, uh, oh, I'm going to get the Latin wrong, but it was it was a statement that was made to um, this author, he said, you'll never be an author. And he then when he became an author, wrote uh, totally everybody out there who's a Latin speaker, I apologize. Um, But it was something ad astra, something porcine, and it was when pigs fly. And, and he printed that on every single book that he printed. So, you know, what the, the big thing is what gets in our way, whether it's our, our distraction, dissatisfaction or dysfunction that keeps us from moving forward. And that and, and, and a lot of times within the blockchain space, we allow distraction or we allow our arrogance to keep us from communicating in a way that where mass adoption can actually happen, can actually happen. And, and that's the, that's my passion. So through these different sort of avenues within the EOS space, I moved along, worked with some great people and some great companies and then ended up with good block, which has a deep passion for creating blockchain for everyone within the Telus community. The uh, good block started out as a, gaming company they were like oh we're going to build games in the decentralized space and and douglas horn our founder started out he had come from a background in gaming as a gaming producer and in television as a producer and he had worked with like halo and pokemon and warner brothers and all these different companies as a game producer way back when and then he was like we need to build games in the decentralized space give people more freedom with their games but he recognized that that, like what does that mean like like, is it is it owner like part ownership of the game is it part control over like it's like, kind of like controlling a of your adventure? identity controlling okay. of your adventure controlling of your character it ultimately okay. was what was nfts before nfts were called nfts sure. it was like, like Fortnite skins have been sold yeah so, so it was along those lines but thing, allowing right? people to really own their identity and their entity it was metaverse stuff before metaverse was called metaverse right 
But what he found right away when he started looking into that was that there was no, there was a blockchain for a really diverse infrastructure. There was no blockchain that could handle it. Ethereum sure. couldn't handle it. It's great with smart contracts, but it couldn't handle that kind gas of speed. Is too expensive or, it couldn't or, handle, exactly, and gas. Yeah. It couldn't handle, it was going to be too expensive and the fees. So he started looking yeah. in other places and then he discovered the EOS space. Sure. But then he looked at EOS when it originally was starting to come out before it was launched. He was like, oh man, there's issues with this when a governance side it's not going to be truly um, as decentralized as it needs to be. There's going to be challenges here. Yeah. So he said, oh, well, maybe we should just spin up our own version of EOS, which mm-hmm. is where Telos was born. And then when they launched Telos, they said, well, what else do we need? Oh, well, we're going to need storage. We're going to need governance. So they started building these infrastructure So when you say storage, pieces. is that like an alternative to like IPFS? It is. It's like they ended up building, we ended up building a, a, uh, uh, that's in beta right now called uh, a, a decentralized storage platform called DStore okay. that um, doesn't have all the issues that traditional <laughs> IPFS has. It, I'm going to dumb this way down to IPFS on steroids. It is I, like... I, I want to just stop there a little yeah. bit because um, we can continue this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we can go back and forth. What I do want to do is I want to take a little bit Big of, transit. Um, <laughs> I want to take a little bit of what we've done, what we've had today and on sessions. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then um, put that in context to what the future looks like. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people right now, if you look at the whole meltdown of the equity market and you look at the meltdown of the yeah. uh, crypto market. I don't even look at it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I've seen some of your art here in OBJ and Brandon Cooks that you've done stuff for. And I want to talk more about that. But um but what happens is we forget, we've tended to forget that there is this emerging technology being mm-hmm. created by creators such as yourself yeah. that is making a new world order mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. going to change what the next five, seven years looks like. Right. And that's the really important part. And what you've touched on, Sean, is you very quickly may, you may have realized it or not, but you've touched on several points of conversation that we had today about what is it in uh, the creation of blockchain and the protocols and the tokens Mm -hmm. that are involved in this that are valuable, right? So it's not one fits all, not that all fits one. It's certain protocols and tokens that work best in certain instances. And you've done that by explaining how when you went through GoodBlock and the development and TELUS and various offshoots of those chains that made sense to what you were doing. Right. and so that, that's really important to just recap some of the conversations that we have today, that there's still, we're sort of at the early days and early stages totally. of what the world is changing into mm-hmm. right? with the metaverse environment, as well as with the NFTs. But, uh, you know, this is my podcast. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Wherever you want to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, yes. Um, for a minute. Yeah. As an artist, Blake, when you capture, when you decided to capture... Um, portraits yes. of players, of yeah. athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking at some of the images that you have here. It's really fascinating that as an artist, you're able to see something and capture something about that portrait that your, your audience recognizes and sees. Mm-hmm. And that's special. Right? It's, so tell us a little bit about that. Like reference image selection? No, or no, like no. The it's like when you, or... when you, when you, yeah. 
when you talk to someone and says, "Hey, I want to do your, I want to do a portrait of you," yeah, and they recognize some of the other things that you've done before they hire you. Sure, they've seen something that you've been able to capture of that individual, mm-hmm. the special inside mm-hmm. value rather mm-hmm. than just a mm-hmm. figure. How do you see a person when you do a portrait? So I don't have like I'm not in a studio with someone sitting in front of me, and I'm I'm painting them, you know, uh, as a still life or something. Uh, I'm using reference photos usually that I find online, and depending on the client that I'm working with, my favorite type of client says, "I've seen what you do, and I trust you. Just go for it, right?" And nice. then and then that's like on one that's on one side of it, and then on the other side of it is clients to say, "Okay, this was, uh, you know." the touchdown catch that won the game that I want to celebrate and I want it in these colors and I want it in this size because it's going to sit here in my house Mm -hmm. and are are very specific and kind of put that in a box. (laughs) And that's fine too. I still enjoy, like I still enjoy that work because doing that type of work allows me to wake up on other days and just do whatever I want. Right. Because that's, that's the ultimate goal for me as an artist is like, I just want the freedom and flexibility to wake up every single day and have a choice. What do I want to do today? What do I want to make? Right. And so let's take that example. You've captured yeah. an image uh, from images that exist online. Yep. You've then immortalized that yep. in a real painting, yep. for example. Now, how does that transition, or is it transitioned to an NFT environment uh, with perhaps royalties or value? Sure. And sure. how does that community work? So it's interesting, like working with professional athletes, if I'm doing an individual just one of one, I'm painting Brandon cooks for Brandon cooks. Uh, it doesn't really matter what I put on the painting. I could put Rams logos. I could put the colors. I could have all the, all the, like the trademark stuff because it's a one of one physical IRL thing. My own interpretation of something that exists. It's like a derivative of that. Like I can, I can release that and not have to worry about copyright stuff. As soon as I move it to the blockchain, even if I'm selling a one of one, then it becomes well. And, and honest, part of this is like, Web3 is a brand new frontier. This is a wild west. We don't know how things are going to play out from a legal standpoint, Mm -hmm. but I've tried to be cautious. I was a little less cautious at the beginning. You'll see some of the early stuff I minted, like a Michael Jordan portrait that has the Bulls logo and it has, you know, his likeness. Um, I'm much more reserved now where, where I'm very calculated. So like everything that I'm minting on the blockchain is not, is completely separate and, and siloed from the works that people hire me to do to paint. You want me to paint you, that you're going to put in your house, I'm not going to go and take that painting and put it on the blockchain and sell it to someone else. No, but my point right. here is that the all the recipient of that original art, how are they looking at either creating a fan base or royalty revenue from creating an NFT from that original piece of art? So it, again, it's a tricky situation that I landed on unintentionally because because of like dealing with the NFL and like and and players unions and things mm-hmm. like I, I have a licensing deal with tops. I, I make baseball cards like that. Major league baseball has to approve those. Sometimes they give me changes. So like, I know that process. So like if I paint that brand, we'll just go back to Brandon cooks. Like I painted Brandon cooks. I sent him a painting uh, and he has that physical painting just because like, if you owned the Mona Lisa, for example, doesn't mean that you could go make an edition oh, of a thousand Mona Lisa's and sell them as NFTs. Right. So even Brandon, or, uh, couldn't go and sell that as an NFT. Even if he came to me and said, Hey, let's do a split. We're going to do 50, 50. Let's do an addition of a thousand. I'd be like, no dude, I, I can't do that because 
there's governing bodies that are centralized Mm -hmm. in the web two world that still have some kind of like jurisdiction or like legalese, right? Like around over, over what pieces. I'm doing okay, that's around, so, that, around that imagery. So yeah. that's, yeah. that's where I want to go to you. Yeah. So, um, when you're building the blockchain yeah. with these governance protocols, with the storage yep. protocols, how now have you seen artists and creators either capitalize or not understand what they Well, and, and you know, you, you were actually hitting on it exactly. And that is that you have to, those contracts have to be, created in advance and it can be created in advance it's uh, but but when in your case because you're dealing with the nfl and you're dealing with major league baseball you're dealing with all these other governing bodies so in advance when the conversation happens it's about for these up-and-coming artists who are like i want to do this it's like okay how much control do you want to have in the future and how 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 often do you want to have retain your fingers in these nfts or in these pieces i love it when artists take original pieces and attach an nft to it or vice versa Mm -hmm. they're creating you know, something that is coming out of their soul, whether it's a music artist or whether it's a painter or whatever, where they're, they're physically building something, they're creating something. And then there's an NFT attachment. And there's a lot of things that can happen from an infrastructure standpoint. And that goes into the smart contract side of it. And if you, you know, that, that there can be a lot of expense depending on where it's built. But there's other spaces like the Telus chain or other places where there isn't an expense, where there isn't, you know, all these great crazy fees or gas fees or this non-green technology. But there is green options that can happen, but it has to start, yeah. you know. From the jump. And, from and the even jump. Like, and it, if yes. you go back even, even before it hits the blockchain, like there's tech, tech now where like I could put an RFID chip in the painting embedded and I under, have seen underneath yeah. the paint where somebody could put their phone down to the bottom right oh, yeah. corner of the painting, so and that, then it pulls up a link to their NFT. The very, I, I went to, fascinating to me. I went to an art show in in San Juan Capistrano, San, Capistro, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and it was uh, this new um, venue, and it was their first opening night, and the two first NFT pieces that were ever built um, from way back when these uh, the first two NFT art pieces that were ever created physicals. were there physicals. Yeah, yeah. With their little RFD yeah, chips yeah. embedded yeah. into them, so that if people wanted to actually buy the original physical pieces, they could. Yeah. So yeah. here we are. Yeah, and I will. I, I'll just. I, I have one tiny thing to like add on to that. Absolutely, to, to, one to tiny like close thing. this loop yeah. is that like for all of that reason that we just spoke about. Like, I've been known for athlete portraits. I'm athlete portraits on Instagram. Like that's what people know me for because I intentionally chose that niche out of a, as a business decision. Right. But like, as soon as web three started happening and then, and then NFTs took off and I realized this is NFTs, not just called crypto art. And it wasn't, it was like a real thing. Like Uh I shifted away from the athlete stuff. So like, I'm looking at web three of like, okay, I'm an artist and like, sure. I built my brand by, I can paint a portrait of an athlete, but I also have a lot of ideas inside of me that don't exist in the real world yet. So like, I'm thinking, how can I create new IP? How can I create my own projects and my own right. things where I don't have governing bodies that I have to deal with? Yeah. Right. And so I'm moving away from athletes. Like I still will help athletes bring their, their concepts to, to the blockchain in in different kind of ways. But really my focus with NFTs is like, I just want to show off my own art, my own original ideas, my own IP that I can like build on and grow. So I like yeah. that. So what, what we're going to do, Blake, is we're going to say you have some interesting projects and ideas that still need to be explored and surfaced. Yeah, so and that's podcast number two with you. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Sean, do you want to close the loop for us here? Um, well, I, I love the, the stuff that you're working on, um, Blake. You. There is some incredible opportunities in, in, the, in the future. You've already made, made a, a great name for yourself, and I, and, I, and I love seeing that. And I think the infrastructure piece is, is definitely going to come together for you on that. I, I recently had the opportunity to work on a project with um, or our company did with an astronaut, Scott Kelly, and cool. he was raising money for, um, for Ukraine. Okay. Um, but he did, you know, his only governing body, he took, it was all photographs that he did while he was in space. The only governing entity was NASA and they basically gave him carte blanche. And so yeah. there was, NASA has been really cool about it. Yeah. They were really, really great. And so, and I think that, that potential is there for you. And that's yeah. super exciting for, for an opportunity for you to create a, yeah. a space that's going to, going to open the door. And I'm I think, and those things, yeah. And I think those things um, are layering the base layer for creating the opportunity over what Cody was talking about earlier. For those of you who are in the daily space, check, check out what Cody had to say in some of the earlier space about the utility side of NFTs and how that utility can piece can be worked in, not just in the art space. Art is the tip of the spear. It's leading us the way, leading us into this. And I think that is going to be um, super powerful, but art the best kind of art, the stuff that you're creating, that's what's like hopefully laying that foundation for people to see a really, really bright future with us. Thank you, Thank Sean uh, of Good Block. Take, take a look at Sean. You'll find him on LinkedIn at Sean A, not Anderson, at Good Block. And you'll find Blake Jameson right on LinkedIn. Look at the Im- images of uh, Brandon Crooks and OBJ and Basquette, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's how you pronounce it. But I think the resounding message from here is if you paid attention early on in this conversation is that both of these gentlemen um, led with passion, uh, went through various streams and various um, opportunities that, you know, social and cultural environments put around them. uh, And they eventually chose a, chose a path that was driven by passion and they're both successful in their own rights, following their own passion. We still believe that creators and artists and developers are the future that we're seeing happen. And, credibility and credit will be given to them and as it should be, which hasn't been in the past. So go forth, conquer with passion. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank, Thank you, Blake. Thank I appreciate you, both of your time. Thank you so yeah. much. Man. Thank, Thank you. you. Stay Thanks. awesome. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.